Hi, and welcome to Stefan Levera Podcast, a show about Bitcoin and Austrian economics. Today for episode 344, NVK, the co-founder and CEO of CoinKite, rejoins me on the show, and we're talking about exciting developments in the world of Bitcoin hardware security. So we're talking about the move to use NFC in hardware wallets and hardware devices, as well as how Bitcoin hardware can be kept accessible with other lower level devices like the tap signer or the sats card and so i'm sure you'll enjoy this discussion and i'm curious to see what everyone is thinking about the hardware directions this show is brought to you by swan bitcoin the easy way to accumulate bitcoin while also learning about bitcoin swan bitcoin makes various resources available for customers and for people who aren't even customers there's the newsletter there's swan signal the podcast there are free books such as inventing bitcoin by jan pritzker there's 21 lessons by Gigi, and also why bitcoin by toma now if you are a high net worth investor or operating with an entity like a company a trust or you are interested to stack inside your ira swan private can help you get a dedicated Bitcoin expert available for calls to walk you through setup and purchase process as well as guide you on other aspects of Bitcoin. So that's swan.com or swanprivate.com for the high net worth and entity customers. If you're interested in Bitcoin DeFi, there's Lend at HODL HODL. This is a peer-to-peer Bitcoin-backed lending platform where you can lend or borrow stablecoins globally and anonymously. So you can sign up in just 30 seconds and you can borrow stablecoins without verification. You deal directly with other people and together you control collateral through the whole deal with all the interest paid at the end. Now, on the other hand, if you have stablecoins, you can lend them out at the highest returns. You are issuing over-collateralized loans with the full interest guaranteed. Lend at HODL HODL. Lend and borrow stablecoins on your terms at your desired interest rates. There are no hidden fees. The terms and conditions are transparent. And you can go and check it out. It's lend.hodlhodl.com. Are you looking to get started with Bitcoin mining? Compass Mining can help. Compass Mining offer... ASIC machines that you can purchase and if you're in the US you can have that shipped to your home and set up for home mining or you can use the facilities that have been vetted by the Compass Mining team and so your mining machine will be sent to that facility you can select the mining pool that you want to point your hash rate towards and you are paying the hosting fees but you're receiving sats you're mining and so this is an easy way to get started especially if you don't want to mine on your residential power rates and you want to take advantage of more advantageous power rates this is another option for you to pursue and the compass mining team are also producing content on their newsletter and podcast material as well so go check out the website it's compassmining.io and now onto the show with nvk NVK, welcome back. Hey, man. Thanks for having me, dude. It's uh, It's been a while. Yeah, it has. I, I'm still winning on the amount of appearances consecutively. <laughs> yeah, actually, I don't know. I haven't run that count, actually. It's been a while. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, there's so much going on with the world of Bitcoin. And obviously, there's always improvements going on in terms of hardware security and then new technology coming and how are we ad- dealing and adapting with that and how's the software going to work with that hardware and all of this. So uh, yeah, maybe you want to just open up and tell us a little bit about what's what you've been working on lately. What's been on your mind and what you've been working on uh, from a, what are the key things from a, a CoinKite point of view? So we're trying to sort of like explore two 
sort of two things in parallel because we think they're important and they're under addressed in the market. So, you know, as usual, you know, we have the cold card track, right? Which is like, how do we make it the, you know, the arguably like the best sort of like most secure hardware wallet in the market that is fully sort of open for you to verify and all that good stuff, you know, and we, we're exploring sort of like further security on that and some interesting UX aspects. We can, we'll get into it. Yeah, sure, sure. Yeah, and then on the other track, we have this this idea that's sort of like started with the open dime, right? Which is like the the ultra true sort of like like minimum common denominator, right? Uh, of like how do you make it like really easy as as like giving somebody a banknote, right? For for Bitcoin transactions and gifting and all that stuff. Uh, and and we've been exploring technologies and stuff, but we couldn't get it to a price and to a a shipping sort of format that like would truly truly like be cheap even for developing world, right? Uh, so so we're, we started exploring that direction as well with Sats card and Tap Signer, which we'll get into. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, so so that's sort of like where we're at now, aside from you know another pile of things. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah, I mean these are the key things, and I'm sure we'll get into some of the techniques and standards involved as well. Um, so I guess maybe we should start with the cold card, the new cold card MK4. What you're uh, what you're willing to share so far with it. Uh, could you give us an overview? What's new here? What's going to be the improvement uh, with the MK4? Yeah, so we we wanted to so so cold card is already what people like to use, right? For security, especially us, right? So we didn't want to just simply like change everything and sort of like you know go oh, let's put camera, let's put a big screen, do this, do that. No, it's like it's a product that like you know a lot of people trust with a lot of money, right? Uh, it sort of kind of like became the standard, right? And so, but we, we had a few things that were sort of like really bothering us uh, um, that we wanted to to really improve. So even though it looks like just like an incremental update is actually quite a lot. And and we fought to finale with suppliers uh, with some clever supply chain uh, uh, acquisition strategies as well to sort of maintain the price nearly the same, giving you like, you know, a shit ton more, right? Um so uh, what we did is the first thing was the connector, right? So Mark IV is going to have USB-C. I think we're ready for that. Everybody wanted that. We could find the economics to make that happen. Um, and then the other thing was memory, right? I mean, you know, Mark III was designed, you know, while back. The economies of scale worked that way. Uh, but, you know, it, it became clear to us that there is like, say, you know, like a, a quarter of our user base really wants to do multi-sig and wants to do multi-sig with setups that are a little bit more complex. So they need a lot more memory, right, in order to make those transactions and get them signed with all the UTXOs that they want. So what we did is we we jumped a family up on the microprocessor that we use. It, it, it's like substantial. It's probably like, you know, 100x everything, right? So it, it's more than double the speed. Uh, you know, it's like what we call now infinite memory, right? Like essentially, you know, it's, uh, I'd say a hundred times more memory probably. So the, essentially now we have enough memory on the, on the device to make a Bitcoin transaction that will be as big as the Bitcoin network would accept. 
So cold card is no longer the bottleneck for Bitcoin transactions when they are very complex. And this doesn't really affect most people. Uh, this really is really related for multi-sig and complex multi-sig transactions with too many inputs. So, you know, so if you're using Kazer and Chain and you're doing a lot of like big sort of things, moving UTXOs around, that resolves that, right? Uh, we also wanted more memory to do a lot of other more interesting features that we're still sort of like working out and, you know, we'll, we'll talk about it a little bit later. Yeah. Uh, sure. Yeah. And then like, you know, it's sort of like, that's sort of like the, the trend here, right? With this device, it's like the flash memory is much bigger. So, you know, we can process the firmware upgrades much faster. You know, settings memory is a huge deal. It used to be just 4K. Now it's 512K. <laughs> So yeah. that's that's a lot, um, and and we can put a lot of things that we had to keep encrypted in a very complex way in the MCU or in the, like in the EPRON memory. We can move those into secure elements as well. We can do a lot more clever things. Um, what else? I mean, this is getting a little like yeah, yeah, sure, sure. Well, let's let's talk a little bit about some of those aspects. So you mentioned around the unlimited memory or just dramatically improved memory and so this might be important then as we're moving into the new world with a lot more people using multi-signature because those transactions are a lot bigger and especially if somebody's got a lot of utxos a lot of coins and they all those utxos need to be individually signed and historically depending on what hardware wallet you were using if you were doing a lot of utxos it would take ages to sign or sometimes it would just cark itself like it would just it would not make it none of them can uh, make a full two megabyte multi-sig transaction with all the stuff in it, like multi-UTXO. They just can't. They Every single one will fail because, you know, like it just wasn't a requirement when a lot of this architecture was designed, right? And, and there's also cost, right? Like, I mean, I, I can make you a, a computer level hardware wallet. It's just you're not going to be able to or want to pay that much, right? So we're still working with the economies of scale here and the, 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 the economies of the product, right? So so we've achieved that. I, I think like this is a huge thing. Um, and and because when you jump up a, 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 a MCU family, right? You get a bunch of other stuff too, right? Extra, right? So you get more speed, it's like double the speed. You get like, you know, more features. We have more hardware acceleration for SHA-256 and AES. I mean, we don't use those for actual Bitcoin things um, because we don't trust those, but we can use those for, for decrypting, for example, uh, uh, encrypted data inside the device. So it's just, it makes the whole experience a lot faster, right? Like things that felt like you were waiting for just kind of happen, uh, which right. is really cool. And that may also have an impact in, let's say, a taproot, tap script world. Let's say we're moving into a world where people are doing more advanced things where they have advanced spending conditions and things like that. I wonder, is there you know, It's kind there? of funny because Taproot is like Schnorr, really. It is, is a lot kinder on the hardware. It's actually like, we actually don't even need all this memory for Taproot. As, unless you're trying to make a big transaction, that's still a bottleneck. But like for, for normal multi-sig transactions, they're going to be a lot smaller because Taproot is linear while uh, RSA is is uh, exponential, right? On how the signatures are aggregated together. So uh, for for each UTXO, so so it's just it's just kind of interesting uh, how how this stuff uh, really compounds. But but yes, ideally we can even fit more of the policy logic and all, all complex stuff that we yet don't know uh, that you could do with Taproot. So like we're we're hoping to get like the the market to inform us which direction we should go with that stuff. 
Yeah, and so the big ch- shift as well, the USB-C, USB-C connector, right? I, I guess a lot of people are used to doing the micro USB, uh, but of course, times change and now it's 2022 and I'm sure uh, a lot of people are having to charge different connectors and you know their mouse or their phone or whatever with USB-C. And so now they want to be able to use that same connector plug to plug to their laptop or, um, or for power purposes, um, of course, yeah. I guess the next thing that's really cool about Mark IV is that uh, we are upgrading the security, the security like substantially. We're adding another secure element, so it's going to be dual secure element. And what's fun is that you know we already had that architecture where we don't trust the secure element, right? So the secure element and the MCU play against each other. Um, now we're adding yet one more from a different vendor. So essentially you have two secure elements plus the MCU and they're all playing against each other and they're from different vendors, right? Um, the, the, there is an exponential increase in security here because even if you do know a backdoor in each of them, right? The way we design it, the backdoor is still useless because you still need to know the encryption keys and blah, blah, blah. But let's say all things being considered and you know, Dr. Evil is sitting on your billion dollars inside a code card, you know what I mean? Like now he needs to break three separate things and they all have to work perfectly. Like it, it, it's, it's exponential. It, it really is cool. Uh, and this new secure element that we're adding has a lot more uh, uh, sort of like memory and features. So we can add even more features to the code card, like trick pins that are not like, they, they can be sort of like uh, uh, dynamic. So you can choose the, the order in which your security labyrinth works in the rest. Uh, so you're going to be able to say, you know, if I type this pin, I want this to happen and then that to happen. So, you know, maybe don't break yet. Maybe just show the dress wallet and then break kind of thing. Like th- there is like a lot of cool stuff you're going to be able to use and sort of like design your own uh, dress path security that is really right. sort of fitting to your life. Yeah. And in terms of the users who want to do air gapping, right? So that's they can still use micro SD as they already can with the normal, with the pre existing it's like exactly as people love you know people have their code card hidden under whatever and then you know they still can sort of like load the transaction to micro sd you know travel to their place do the signing travel out and sort of like never touch computers all all that stuff remains the same it's actually improved a lot um you know speed wise too there's a lot of sort of like nice little improvements on that um and we're going to, we're working on a few other sort of multi-sig features that are going to take advantage of the microSD card. So you're going to be able to do some multi-sig sort of clever things. Uh, we, we're just sort of not putting out there yet because still in the works. Yeah. And then NFC, I noticed uh, you put out an, uh, an, an NFC standard and you're looking at NFC for the cold card Mark IV. So do you want to talk a little bit about that? And uh, I guess some people might be thinking, well, hang on, is that a security concern? Because now I'm opened up to NFC. Yeah, so we, we started exploring sort of ideas on what, what other connectivity we can do that is safe enough, right, uh, uh, for your sort of device, right? And, and like that, but that does make it easier. And, and we have essentially like the user base split in two. Half of the user base, it's like real money, holding on a computer, like, you know, like using a computer to sign. They'll never use a phone related device for that. And then we have the other track of like people who, you know, like sort of like the average plea, but like a bit less money, right? Sort of trying to 
to sign it with their phone wallet and sort of keeping it that way, right? And, you know, phone wallets with cold car are a bit harder to use, possible, but, you know, a little trickier. So we started exploring NFC a while back and we fell in love with the technology. It's quite amazing, really. Um, especially if you do it on the way we're doing, where we're essentially not respecting the NFC uh, uh, body <laughs> going around them. We're essentially leveraging everything in NFC without bending the knee. Uh, and and we, we figure out how to do that. Uh, and, and it's really cool. Uh, so we call it NFC compatible. Um, and, uh, uh, and and we, we publish the spec so that other wallets can, can do the same, right? Like this is like everybody should be doing this. Um, so then, you know, with NFC, you're going to be able to just tap, right? Like it's like you tap to sign, you tap to share an address, you just tap, it's super easy. Uh, it's a lot cheaper. You know, the, the module for NFC is is very is very economically relevant. Uh, we have our own antenna network that we design. And uh, and then uh, uh, unlike a camera where it costs a lot more, it makes the device more more uh, uh, complex. So there's security concerns around that. Um, so anyway, so what cool thing though is like, you know, for example, for my HODL, right? I don't trust, like, even though NFC comes disabled by software by default, you know, I don't want to have to trust the software, it's trust no one, right? So we're adding the means for you to physically permanently disable the NFC as well. So you can literally kill it, doesn't work. It's, you know, both software disable, and then you go, you scratch this thing, is irreversible. And uh, and then, you know, maybe you have two code cards. That's my plan. You have one for your HODO, and you have one for your operational that you tap with phones, right? Um, we think it's super powerful that way. Um, and we do have one more way of you uh, doing uh, PSPTs now that we haven't talked about publicly yet. We've built a virtual disk on USB mode. So... Um, essentially, if you're on a pinch or this is not your HODL device that you connect to the USB, um, you can just plug the cold card and you will display for you a virtual disk on the computer that you could just dump the PSD, PSBT in, it signs, it puts back there, you publish transaction, done. Like it, it is so easy to use with a desktop, it's kind of ri ridiculous. Um, so uh, we're, we're pretty excited about that. Um, and of course, the way that this virtual disk works is properly secured. It's not like, you know, like a normal USB drive and all that stuff, right? Okay, so let's walk that through. So as an example, you're using Electrum or Spectre or Sparrow or one of these, and we are directly plugging in the cold card. And we're, you know, we are like, are we dragging a PSBT file over into that hard drive? And then on the cold card, we're looking and saying, do you want to spend 0.01 Bitcoin to XYZ address? Yes or no, you hit yes, and then it uh, you have to move that PSBT back into the wallet and then broadcast it, or how does that look? Action files show up there and just broadcast it. You don't have to broadcast with the wallet. So why, why did we do this, right? So a few things. Uh, one is you can use it with uh, 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 Linux CDs, right? So those like Tails or whatever without having any cold card drivers or anything like that. Um, you can use it with uh, Android phones, because uh, 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 um, uh, disk mode exists for USB. So you can just save two cold card on an Android phone. Uh, so right. even if you have NFC disabled and you want to do that, that's fantastic, right? The, the, the way we're looking at this is like optionality, right? All these features come turned off. Disabled by default, USB is going to come, I believe, disabled by default as well, even normal USB. Um, so 
if you want to activate some of the stuff because it fits your lifestyle, your needs, you activate them. If you want to permanently disable them, you do that too. Um, we just we just want to create ways for people to figure out what works for them, and that would inform us which direction to go next. Right. Yeah. And I mean, one tip I've been using when I coach someone who's new is I might say, okay, if you're a beginner, just directly plug the cold card. But if you're, let's say, you're intermediate, you're advanced, you use the micro SD. So I guess in this same kind of scenario, you you might coach that beginner. Okay. Hey, go and enable NFC because you need the easy way to do it. And then like for the advanced person, you're well, they already know they do their own thing with the micro SD or whatever. So, you know, the goal is like, it would be really cool for you to be able to just, you know, tap to sign on, on say Blue Wallet, right? Or, or even better, you can tap to co-sign, right? Like the possibilities for multi-sig with this stuff are absolutely huge, huge, right? Because it's open standard like PSBT, Right. The technically the phone doesn't even know what's going on because we're using a, a, a plain tax sort of protocol. Um, so and it's secure, like the, the, the transfer is, is very good. Um, so, you know, we think that people are going to end up using hardware wallets more with phone wallets as opposed to just trusting phone wallets because it is more convenient. Right. That's the idea. And right now, this version of Mark IV, it's it's uh, the the NFC is passive only, right? So this is not a master NFC; it's only a client NFC. Uh, we hope that maybe in the future, if this plays out, we make Cold Card be a master NFC as well, and then we could actually have other things tap a Cold Card. Uh, not there yet. We're still sort of exploring it and see where the market goes, right? Um, what else do did yeah. we do? Well, while we're on that point as well, just around NFC and support. So presumably then you want to have support with, say, Blue Wallet or uh, let's say dongles or plug-in connectors that you could connect to your laptop or your desktop if you want to use it with the likes of Electrum, Spectre, Sparrow and other, other multi-sig coordinators. So what's the software support looking like if we survey the Bitcoin wallet world? What's the software support looking like for NFC? So it's early days, right? But like uh, uh, Blue Wallet already has NFC or like a, a beta version of it. I can't remember now. Uh, they're just waiting for devices from us to start fully testing, right? Uh, Zeus just announced NFC. Uh, they showed awesome. the demo on Twitter. Um, I, I think the I think there is a few big players. I'm not sure if it's public yet, so I'll just keep it like that. A, a few extremely big players in the Bitcoin app space. Um, I think it's probably one of the biggest ones. Uh, is exploring NFC as well. Um, there is uh, th there is a lot of uptake on this uh, because I, I think that everybody who understands economies of scale around hardware wallets, signing devices, right, and phones, pretty much understand that the only path that's economical is to do NFC uh, or microSD or something else, right? The, the camera really is not an economical path. Um, so that's sort of like the direction that that. A lot of players are going into that haven't hit the market yet, but things are coming. Yeah, that's interesting to see. So, I mean, we've got all sorts of different levels and uses here. So as you were saying, some users might just be like, look, this is just, I'm holding, this is day-to-day -day spending and receiving money and I'm okay with NFC and that's fine. Just single signature, like, just to keep it simple and easy. And then other users might say, no, I want a passphrase as well, or no, I want multi-signature and I want to have my coordinating app. And who knows, maybe in the future, you could have Blue Wallet as your coordinating app and go around to your three different devices 
in three different locations to sign and tap to sign. And then you're saying, okay, I'm using NFC, but I'm multi-sig with three or five or two or three, or or maybe some uh, in the future, it's like some of the devices are using a QR code and others are doing NFC. So I guess that's maybe, that's like a high level way it could look, right? All the stuff that we invented with code card, like for example, exporting the skeleton file, right? To Electrum or to uh, uh, Sparrow or exporting the the... Uh, the wallet descriptors for core, all that stuff that was invented for cold card Mark III, essentially now just goes through NFC if you want, right? So, so the way we're playing this is whenever you are on a screen that is is a as a data exporting screen, right? You have options. You can show a QR for that data on the screen. You you can NFC it out, right? Uh, or you can microSD out, right? So, so we're just sort of like here's all your options. Right, like is is as disabled or not as you prefer. Like you know, it's the freedom way of handling things, right? And then you know, and they're what's nice is they're truly securely disabled too, right? Like so, so like you know, I'm the biggest paranoid person here, right? So like, I don't want any of that crap on on my cold card that's for real money, right? And I'm gonna like literally go through and like make sure everything is off, right? So we're just sort of like using this approach now for for everything. It's just the more time we have this product to market, the more we have learned on how like real people want to use, like not the people asking for features, but like the people actually using the devices. Uh, we have like this open conversations with people uh, uh, offline and, uh, and it's very informative, right? Because we, we learn about it through sort of actual paying on, on those things, right? Um, Another talking about paying is uh, the 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 keypad on Mark IV. The presses are going to be a little lighter, uh, and we've expanded the hole a tiny little bit, so it's a little bit better to press. Uh, some people may have like lighter hands. <laughs> the soft hands got to be strong hands. As Bitcoiners, well, yeah, I was just saying to to your point earlier around the ease of NFC. I think that might be an interesting one then from a wallet designer point of view. So let's say the Electrum, Spectre, Sparrow, Blue Wallet, they might now coach the user through the setup a little bit more easily because instead of telling that user, oh, hey, now get a micro SD card, connect that to this, connect that to, you know, now it can be more like, hey, just tap your cold card to this and then done right and and it can both it can go both ways right because it can either take it can extract data from the cold card let's say the xpub and the you know that data or it can send data to the cold card right the transaction data the multi-seed coordination file aspect people really like people have this sort of like romantic idea with like qrs and cameras they haven't really actually tried to do a transaction with qrs like it's too much data. It takes too many QRs and, and, and like the cameras are shit and the displays are shit. So like, you know, like QRs on phones are fantastic, right? Because the phone is like a supercomputer. <laughs> it has these beautiful screens. But like when you do that on like a cheap, like sort of like small secure device, like the experience is, is shit. You know, it's cute and all when you're doing like a single SIG transaction for like a tiny little bit amount of money or just a single UTXO, whatever, right? But like when you're actually trying to to give, say, a, a um, uh, an Electrum file to a wallet or a descriptor or, or bringing back a full PSBT that's like larger, like, you know, it just, we, we couldn't make it happen in a way that was acceptable. We, we have a lot of sort of like, 
uh, different technologies that we have experimented with internally. And and like this was sort of like the best experience we could come up with that was economical, right? Uh, and it yeah. was too secure. I might just add some experience to there as well because I've obviously I've, I've played around with a lot of these wallets. I've used a lot of them and I've spoken to people. And I think I've had different, I've heard different experiences from people, right? Because some people will say, oh, look how great it is, you know, um, but there is also the difficulty around sometimes if the light, the lighting in the room isn't right, if the angle isn't correct, if the, you know, if the camera is like some old laptop that you're using and it's got a really bad webcam, then it won't be able to read it back in. Um, and there has been some work on that. I, I know there were efforts to try to standardize some of these things. I know some of the blockchain commons guys were trying this and I know obviously like the specters and sparrows of the world um, are, you know, big into this. But I, I'm actually curious to see where this goes with NFC because it might actually make it accessible. Because if a lot of smartphones just have it by default, then maybe that's the that maybe that is a practical it's like a, point. It's a leap technology, right? So it, it's just it's just so much better, and it was literally designed for this, right? While the the QR stuff is trying to like solve a problem in a way that just it's just not designed for it, right? Because again, the, the the harder wallets, the cameras that they use are are really crappy, right? Uh, because they have to be cheap. It's understandable, right? Uh, and and the screen for you to try to figure out what's going on is also like not great because it's not a beautiful phone screen. So like you know you can't. Anyways, so so the point is, I think we're just trying to sort of like not trying to fit. Our preferences into the tech is trying to like get the tech to inform us what's the best way of doing this. Uh, and I think NFC is very interesting for all this stuff. Um, what else did we do? Oh, there's going to be a very cool slide cover. Oh, yeah. Or, okay. Yeah. Check it out. A calculator. <laughs> Just like a calculator. Yeah. Um, so this is really cool because people are going to be able to customize it and sort of like, you know, it's nice, protects the screen for shipping. And we're using like super, super premium uh, polycarbonate as the the material of the device. So this is not cheap plastic like other things. Um, the device feels super solid because we have a super solid new industrial designer. <laughs> so like we definitely upgraded the the finish of the plastic too, um, and uh, it's more clear, so you can see a little bit more inside. We we still want it to be like fuzzy, but but it's like it's just a different sort of design. Uh, we added an LED for the USB now. So if any data goes through the USB, the device knows and shows it to you. Interesting. Okay. So what's it showing? So basically, if you just plug it in and it's power only, it doesn't come on. But you're saying if there's data transfer, then it shows. Exactly. <clears throat> just, uh, sure. It's very nice. Uh, it gives you just, it's just a peace of mind, right? Just in case you had the, the USB connection sort of like abled and you forgot to disable again because you were just trying to, to do something somewhere. Right now, at least you have something sort of like telling you, hey, <laughs> I'm sending data, I'm receiving data. So it's just like nice little sort of improvement touches, right? That they're like, we feel like people kind of need it and want it. Um, yeah, it, it's, uh, you know, we've, we've, we have like a better uh, supplier of the same display as well. And the display now has like a connector instead of being soldered on. So you know, it's just, it's, like it's, a, it's, it's substantially more pro, let's put it this way. Um, I, I think... I think uh I think people are really really going to like it. Um it's um it feels it feels like a lot nicer on the hand too. I don't know why. It's not a huge difference in terms of like plastic design, but it does have that sort of super tough vibe to it. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean it's interesting that as well that it's at the same price point then. So uh essentially a similar price to the Mark 3 is Well, uh, inflation adjusted is the same. <laughs> 
<laughs> like all of our suppliers increased the price, right? Uh, and what we did is we essentially bought uh, uh, pretty much a year's supply of parts last year to build this, yeah. right? You know, we took some risks on some stuff, but we're good at supply chain. So like we know how also to resell parts. We kind of change our minds on. We actually made a buck on that. Um, but uh, uh, it, it's an interesting, uh, it, it's an interesting challenge. It's, 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 it, it makes making hardware physical things in this time and place uh, uh, in, in uh, civilization. Uh, uh, definitely not your usual, just send stuff and get it back. Yeah, right. And I'm sure the microprocessor um, shortage, or at least it happened with Raspberry Pis, right? So like that is a real risk, right? Yeah, so so like we we essentially like we de-risked everything by just like we're gonna just only inventory, right? Like a lot of it, and we're gonna just trade inventory if we need to. <laughs> you know, we're gonna become like you know, fuck it, we're gonna become a, a parts bank. You, you know what I mean? It's like, <laughs> uh, and, and and it's great because they do hold their price very well. Like so, so uh, you know, it's, it's it'll be hard for others to compete on that, which is kind of fun as well. Back to the show in a moment. Have you thought about upgrading your security? With Unchained Capital, you can use Collaborative Custody. This is an easy way to access the improved security of multi-signature. So you can hold two keys in separate locations and Unchained can hold the third key. Now you can go to unchained.com and set this up, use a vault and you can do this for free on your own if you wish. But if you want some guidance, they've got a concierge onboarding program where you can pay upfront, you'll have hardware wallets sent to you, you'll have a video call to teach you how to do this even if you've never held your private keys before and you'll receive access to their concierge team. So this is an easy way to get onboarded and they will set you up and deposit $1,000 of Bitcoin in your vault. So go to unchained.com and use the code Levera for a discount. Coinkite.com are the creators of my favorite Bitcoin hardware wallet, the cold card. Now the cold card is an excellent tool for improving your security and giving yourself more options in terms of how you do things. You can use it in a single signature setup. You can use it as part of a multi-signature setup. You can just use it on its own without a passphrase or you can choose to use a passphrase and you can use various features like the ability to use it air gapped with a micro SD card and you can also use the address explorer to check which addresses you control and make sure you're receiving your coins into the correct address that is actually yours and it's not some hacker's uh, maliciously injected address. So these are many reasons why you should look at the cold card and over at coincard.com you can select the cold card and they've got all sorts of other devices and tools that you can use as well such as seed plate which is a metal backup for your seed phrase. So go to coinkite.com and use the code Levera for a discount. If you're interested in Bitcoin mining, you've got to check out Brains. That's Brains with two eyes. Brains are a Bitcoin company and they also operate Slushpool, which was the first Bitcoin mining pool. So they have Brains OS Plus. This is firmware for your ASIC machine. So you can install this on your mining machine and it will help you optimize your miner performance and you get more hash rate for your electricity bill. So it's a no-brainer. You've got to look into it. You've just got to make sure that they support your particular ASIC machine, which you can do if you check on the website. And on top of this, if you use BrainsOS Plus and you point your hash rate towards Slushpool, you get 0% pool fees, which is a really great benefit. Also, you are helping drive forward the adoption of Stratum V2, which is the next generation Bitcoin mining protocol. And on top of this, they also have a really cool Insights dashboard. So if you go to insights.brains.com, you can see all sorts of things there, profitability calculators and 
all sorts of stats. So go to brains.com and check out the info there. And now back to the show. Yeah, that's an interesting angle to see where it goes with that as well. Um, but uh, yeah, so I think those are probably the key questions that people are thinking in terms of um, the new cold card. And I guess probably the other one is people are thinking when, right? What's the shipping time or when uh, are people going to be getting the MK4? So we started production of the first batch, uh, but because there's a lot of changes to the firmware, because there's a new sort of secure element, so the boot ROM it has like a lot of stuff we want to do with it, uh, it's still going to take a little longer, um, but the bottleneck is going to be software, not hardware, which is kind of a good place to be in because we can start making inventory, right? People know we ship. <laughs> so like it, it, it's a different it's like it, it gives me a lot of like sort of like uh, it, it makes me like happy that like we have a good relationship with our customers right so people understand that you know they're not even rushing us it's like hey you know we're, we're building the inventory we're building the devices they're going to be sort of like all ready and then once we're ready to to sort of program them all we'll program them all and start shipping them out um we're never going to rush things because of like if the firmware is not ready it's not ready um but you know I hope to have like a better timeline in like a few weeks. Like in a few weeks, I should be able to say, "Hey, we're thinking about sort of like this month, that month kind of thing." Uh, gotcha. But yeah. you know, everything is slower now, right? With all this bullshit going on. So yeah. Yay. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So let's talk a little bit about some of the other products. So you, you've got this uh, Sats card and Tap Signer. So do you want to just talk us through what was the high level insight? Is it basically as what you were saying earlier, the economics of it? around having NFC devices that are cheaper? Is that is that the main yeah, logic so there? Here's the problem, right? I mean, everybody wants to use open dimes, right? To gift Bitcoin. And and like this Christmas was an absolute like like <laughs> like wreckage of our inventory. Like they took it all right for Christmas, right? Uh which was a lot of fun. And open dime is absolute shit margins, right? Like, we, we, you know, we make it because we love it. It's not exactly the kind of product that we're like, hey, you know, this is going to like make this company like, you know, become a future 500 company, right? So like, no. So so it's not going anywhere either. It's a product of passion. We love it. You know, it's our little cypherpunk stick. However, we want to make something that scales, right? That is marketable and it works outside of North America. Right. So that developing, I wouldn't say the poor, sorry, don't have something for you yet, but like, this is something that developing world can sort of handle, right? Price-wise, we're still finalizing the price, but we're getting very close to it. And so we essentially, we took years really for us to find the right chip, the, the right smart card chip, right? Uh, and, and we have found the one we like, the one that works for us, the one that's economical, which is the most important part, right? And it's ELAC 6 sort of certified. So it's like super secure, right? It's kind of like the same certification the Ledger has. Um, now, what we're trying to do is it's two products, really, right? There's a small variation on some stuff. So one product is the open dime replacement, right? So essentially, this, this card is going to be cheaper. He um, has 10 slots, so you can reuse it 10 times. Uh, you don't have to trust it because you give entropy as well uh, for the nine slots. The first slot is created by the factory, but we do use chain code, right? Which is kind of cool. So like, you know, there's a level of, of like trust minimization, right? But still, you know, it was picked by us, the key, right? Um, but it's the only way we can put a QR on the back. 
right? Because if you pick the key, we don't know the address, so we can't put a QR on the back. And, you know, we wanted to make a thing that is de-risked because people are going to use it for small amounts of money, especially on that first key. But it's like super easy because you receive a card, you take a picture of it, boom, money deposited, right? And then you want to unseal it, you put the pin, and it's like you take the money out. So for gifting people Bitcoin, it's it's really is next level easy. Um, and then if you want to use it a little bit more interestingly, right, and without trusting so much, then uh, then you use the other nine slots on the secure element where you can put new keys that you provide the entropy and and you can sort of like you know unseal those and and you can sort of like do other crazy stuff. I mean, you can put like you know rare pepes on them for you know, for all I care, like. <laughs> So just one question on that. So then how does the user actually interact with the SATS card? I mean, are they presumably using something like Blue Wallet to tap it and interact with the card in that way? Because obviously it's just a card. It doesn't have buttons or anything. So how do you use it? So it's two things, right? One is uh, you would use a app wallet to use NFC with it. But there is also the QR code you can just take a picture of, right? So it, it does... It has a quick way of interacting with it. And then there is the better, more secure way, which double checks everything, which is the NFC, right? Um, so, and, and for this product, we are actually releasing a new NFC spec as well very soon. Uh, it, it's a specific NFC spec um, that like, you know, we're going to need app wallets to sort of integrate. And I'm pretty certain they probably will, right? Um, because uh, it, it's just, it makes sense, right? Uh, and it's going to make more sense to you when we start talking about the next product. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, for sure. So, I mean, and that's been historically one of the things I, I know this has been a, a, a coin kite position and you're thinking on it is that you don't want to go and make the proprietary software. You would rather just make the hardware and let other people make the software. And so I guess now you're in this position where you're making a product and you hopefully you want uh, software wallets out there to take the standard and to use it because you don't want to have to go and make your own wallet. You would rather, you know, some other already existing wallets integrate. This brings us to another very exciting thing, okay, which is we want to find new business models that are more Bitcoin-specific, works with Bitcoin economics and help the, the space flourish, right? So we're exploring rev share based on hardware activation, right? So, you know, we're still, it's still early. We're still not sure exactly the numbers or the economy, like how it's going to work, but we want to find a way because one of the biggest problems in this space is that like software wallets have no revenue path, right? Uh, so aside from mixing, there really is nothing else for them to make money on, right? Maybe selling shit coins, right, inside the wallet. But, you know, that's that's not the best way to go about it, right? So we want to find a way to share some of the revenue uh, um, uh, of these cheaper cards that have better margin, right, with some of the app developers. Um, it's unclear to me yet how we're going to do that. Uh, but the first stage is testing out with artists, so we're working out a model in which you go buy limited versions of Sats card on our website. The first one is going to be Cryptographiti. There is a, 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 a sample of his art there where you're going to pay for a premium, right? Because it's going to be smaller quantity run, so it costs more to make. And a specific amount go directly to them. So we're trying to figure out how we're going to make the store work for that and all that stuff. If it's going to be straight to his wallet with a, a double output transaction, whatever. We want to make it easy for people to support artists, right? And and if the model works for artists, we can we can make it work for wallet devs as well. So 
we really want to figure out a way of of making this space be self um, self maintaining uh, 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 with revenue, right? So it's not just donationware for a lot of these projects. Um, yeah, so so that's sort of like stuff that we're exploring. Yeah, gotcha. And so the other question, I guess, people might be thinking is: let's say they're using an open dime. Again, now some sometimes it's different markets, right? So the the Open Dime user might not necessarily be the same as the Sats card user, but the Open Dime user right now is used to that example where they where they uh, press a pin through and they break it and they can see, oh, it's been broken and opened. So now I know not to trust. You know that that was the Open Dime thinking. With the Sats card, how does that work? Is it just kind of NFC tap and then you see, okay, this has been spent or what's that looking? So like? the fascinating thing is Open Dime doesn't need the physical break, right? We could have made it software defined right. which it is because when you break that pin it's not really doing anything it's just essentially like a button just letting the software know to disable or enable the sharing of the seed and sats card works operates in the nine tenths of the law is possession <laughs> mentality right so you know if you have the device physically it's yours right i mean it doesn't matter so we, we're just gonna it's just software defined right so once once you give the pin that's on the back right, to the device, the device unseals itself and shows the private key, right? It's a WIF format as it was before. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so it's very similar to, to that sort of mode. We figured like, what's the point, right, of making some theater thing happen when, you know, whoever has it, has it anyways. <laughs> <laughs> right, okay, So and so just thinking out what a typical use might be. So in the similar way to the Open Dime, the idea is it might be a round number of coins, let's say, 10 million sats or 1 million sats or 100,000 sats and the idea is it may pass through multiple owners right that's that's the idea in that mind that you might not necessarily do an on-chain transaction for every transfer of ownership of the sats card right that's the idea with the sats card which is contrasted with say the tap signer right so maybe if you could talk a little bit about the differences there between the cards and uh, maybe let's talk a little bit about the tap signer Sure. So w this was informed to us by the market, right? With Open Dime, a lot of people are trying to use Open Dime as one of co-signer in a multi-sig, but you know it doesn't have the brains to do any of that stuff. So they just sort of reversed engineer to get the public key out to use that for you know the rare pepes for multi-sig for all kinds of stuff, right? And it, and also like we we wanted to sort of make that actually possible, right? So. Um, <clears throat> On the Sats card, the model is, as you explained, you give it physically, people take it, and it's like, is it to buy a car? Is it to pass along, like, digital money, right? Like, but physically, uh, you know, exactly like OpenDime was, just more slots. Now, we were like, why, why don't we develop a blind signer? Right? Why don't we develop something that people can use for co-signing multi-sig, for, uh, for experimenting uh, with, with lower amounts of money, for uh, co-signing with things like Moon Wallet, because um, you know, that's a two out of two, two, out of two um, or for uh, opening and closing lightning channels that are smaller amounts on phones, that kind of stuff, right? So like, it's like your threshold of security is not like cold card level, uh, but you still don't want the keys hot and, or maybe you just want an easy, quick co-signing device on your mix of devices, right? So we've leveraged what we learned with the NFC development and, and like the stuff for, for sets card uh, to create tap signer and tap signer is exactly what that is. It's a tap signer. <laughs> you tap, it signs. It doesn't know it's signing. 
He knows his Bitcoin, uses message digest, right? So it's not PSPT, although you could use PSPT via HWI as well, which is really cool. Um, and so essentially you have an extremely dumb, extremely secure, uh, um, and you also provide, you know, the, like, you know, your own entropy and, you know, like the, the security of it is, is quite good. And the trust minimization is actually quite nice too. So we see this being used, say, for example, I don't know, like Unchain Arcaza, right? They hit us up. We make one branded with their brand and they have it as their package of multi-sig now, right? Because it's a lot cheaper as well. It's not going to be as cheap as Sats card, but it's a lot cheaper. So um, you now have an extra device that's extremely secure, like physically speaking, right? It's an ELAC 6 chip. So um, you can now co-sign if your app or have that as a backup sitting somewhere, like a safe deposit box or something. You know, it's a very good addition to that bundle. Um, or for example, you know, you keep it in your wallet. So if somebody steals your phone, right, and you don't have the good pin or whatever is happening, or you don't want to trust the phone wallet, right, you can have a quick tapping to, to either sign or co-sign transactions on your phone. Uh, super useful. Um, and then there's like key shuffles. There's all kinds of cool stuff you can do with this thing, right? Because again, it's a blind signer. You can sign, you can use it for messaging. So just like if the Bitcoin, if the messaging, the PGP messaging is based on Bitcoin uh, cryptography, you can just sign messages. Uh, you can use it to open your gun safe if he uses NFC and he can do the, this, this crypto, right? Uh, by crypto, I mean cryptography, the real. <laughs> crypto. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so it's like it's a lot of new sort of uses, which is awesome. Right. And so they are. So as you said, it's it's a lower price point. And so there is more trust being placed into the software wallet, because in the traditional model, the idea is you don't trust the software wallet. You look at the hardware wallet to show you on the screen. What is the hardware wallet saying? Spend X, Y, Z, you know, this number of sats to this address. So it is like a lesser security model, but I guess the idea is you're saying it might be part of your overall setup. Um, but then same kind of idea, like we were saying, you're still relying then on support being built out for this into the software wallets and services so that they can use it alongside the other things. In, in good CoinKite tradition, this is not a centralized service or a product, right? <laughs> but you don't need us to exist to get your money out, right? So there is companion, like open source code, right? That can help you take the, the, the money out in case our quick, easy website is not available or, uh, or the, the app wallets are, don't want to support it anymore. Wh whatever happens, right? People's monies are safe and recoverable without the vendor, right? That this is integral part of that design. Um, and, uh, and, 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 you know, I wouldn't want to make a product otherwise, like I, I don't, I want to be able to like, you know, when they like, you know, if we have to close shop because whatever reason, right. Like people are fine. Like we don't have to exist for people to, to sort of redeem their money. The other question people might be thinking is how do they know the private key isn't leaving the card when it taps? Yeah. So it, it, it's. The protocol is very obvious, right? And, and like, you know, the, the device is not letting, like, it's just signing, right? It's never showing the private key. Uh, with with Tap Signer, cool thing is you can actually back up the private key, but it, it only leaves the card encrypted. Right. So it's encrypted with a specific key that's on the back of the card if you want to make a backup. And because it's low amounts, maybe you're saving your iCloud, maybe whatever. Like, it's not ideal, right? But, you know, ideally you save it in a, 
sort of safer place, but being realistic with a cheap signing device, the customer base will be the more noob base. They'll probably save it in their cloud or something, right? And but what's nice is that like that's really encrypted, right? Like it's it's a proper level of encryption, uh, and the keys are the key. the The password for the encryption is on the card itself physically, right? So um, you you're not exposing yourself to that. Yeah. So just walking that through, then the backup is essentially you need the data from the card, which is encrypted, and then you also need the you need the decryption key, which is on the card itself, right? And then you need those two pieces together to actually take that back up and use it in something else and recover it if, say, the card's broken or whatever. That, that's right. And, and yeah, and this is BIP32 based, right? So not BIP39, there is no seed word. It's too complex for this kind of chip. So it's just BIP32, which would work even on the original Satoshi client, right? So it's fully recoverable, backwards compatible. Like it's like, it really is sort of uh, uh, that kind of mindset, right? We don't want to leave people stuck with things. Uh, as you know, walletsrecovery.org will show you, you know, where bad designs will take you, right? So we really wanted to make sure this stuff is recoverable, you know, like with very simple software. Yeah. And so presumably, like before, we were saying your aim is that mobile wallets and maybe some of the desktop wallets would support NFC and maybe the NFC would have to happen if let's say, I don't know, do laptops normally have NFC or do you need to buy a dongle to do that or to use it with a computer? A lot of the touch laptops, I think do have NFC. Uh, so so like, you know, the surfaces, some of those do. Uh, but realistically speaking, like this is a for a phone experience, right? That's the goal of it. Um, you know, we do have, you know, we'll indicate to people like, you know, some card readers to buy for the desktop if they want to mess around with that um, or for a cold card as well. Right. But um, realistically speaking, like NFC is for the phone uh, or a tablet. Right. And, and you know, when you're going to do stuff on the computer, it's probably for more money and, and you would be using a different sort of like uh, mix of solutions. Right. Um, and because like, you know, some of the collaborative multi-sig companies, do have apps, there is more of them coming, there is more of these sort of solutions for multi-sig coming out, uh, and there, a lot of them are going to have an app component. We think that sort of like this is a very good fit for that. Um, and then eventually we're going to end up probably seeing nice cosine solutions for poor people, right? Like, like or, or let's say more like developing country people, right? So, you know, you're going to be able to afford this card to have your co-signing with your blue wallet. You know what I mean? If you are in, in like El Salvador, where buying a cold card may be a little bit too expensive, right? And, you know, when you look at the two, like it kind of makes sense, right? I mean, the amount of money you're defending should be relative to your security solution too, right? Like why are you going to like buy a, a cold card if you're sort of like holding just, you know, two, three times that amount of money, right? Yeah. And I think it's an interesting point as well, because for some people and we're starting to see this now where some people literally don't have a laptop or a desktop pc they just do everything off their phone right and so for some people or maybe they have a laptop but it's only a work one or it's a really old one and they they can't be asked or figured out trying to get electrum Spectre, sparrow etc working on that and so they you know for those people who still want to have some coin even if it's a smaller amount then maybe that's where having a phone pretty much everyone has a phone nowadays uh so I guess that that is an interesting point, right? Because the people who want the best UX 
are the people with the least amount of money, right? It's a, it's a funny, it's a very funny correlation there, right? So, and, and we know this, like we, we have enough customer base, enough support, like, like we, we know this is a fact, right? As opposed to what the people on Twitter want to believe, right? So the people that want the best UX have the least amount of money. So they've been best served by phone wallets, right? So we want to improve that with a cheap hardware solution. And then the people who have most amount of money, right? They don't want a phone experience. They don't want QR. They don't want any of this stuff. What they want is a micro SD, cold storage, you know, like bunker level stuff. So, you know, like these are the two tracks, right? Um, they're not going to risk like real money with like, you know, like pictures, right? Like it, it's a terrible idea. So, uh, and the same way the other side is like, they're not going to buy a, a, like a, a pretty hard wallet that can take pictures with like, for a lot of money, <laughs> they're just defending little money with their easy wax. So, you know, it's like, again, it's just getting informed by how people are actually using the product, right? This really reminds me of the beginning of the internet where, you, you know, like you had this like, uh, uh, companies trying to make devices that people are not going to use, right? <laughs> it's it's uh, trying trying to you know a solution, trying to find a, a problem, right? Yeah, that's a really good uh, and counterintuitive insight. And now that you mentioned it, it actually makes so much sense to me. The best the people who want the best UX may have the less least money to secure. Um, so that's an interesting um, point to make. So when it comes to the prices then are you able to give us like a rough idea just for listeners so we're recording this january 2022 can you give us a rough idea like what's the price points for sats card tap signer mk4 just so people have a rough idea so so mark 4 is already like the price has been released right is 149 we're taking reservations early bird pricing for 109 we we try to make it as cheap as possible for customers because you know re realistically speaking like you know, I'd say probably like half the sales are going to be for people who already own our devices anyways. And, and we don't want to like, you know, like we, we want the early people who are going to buy the device anyways, who already have our devices to sort of like get a deal. Right. It's like, uh, <laughs> you know, it's like every two years we have new hardware. So like, you know, like take it as cheap as we can sell it to you. Right. Um, and then we're going to sort of go back to normal pricing, which is I think 149. Right. Um, and then we're around that. Uh, and then for for Sats card is going to be cheaper than an open dime. Uh, an open dime right now, a single unit is probably like say probably like around twelve dollars, fourteen dollars kind of thing. Uh, so it's going to definitely be cheaper than that. Uh, we're working tirelessly to try to lower that. Um, there is a lot of R and D involved on this product, so like we have to sort of make that back, right? Uh, and then Tap Signer will probably be around double or triple what Sats card is going to cost. Um, you know, just more maintainability more stuff going on um we hope to have some very good sort of like uh volume discount on this stuff um and uh and we hope to have a lot of custom art on it we want artists to sort of like monetize hardware instead of monetizing jpegs right <laughs> now really it's like it's like you know did you just buy a picture of a rock for three million dollars no like you know you bought a piece of art that's in your hand and you can sort of frame it and you know uh uh, the artists that we have talked to, they're pretty excited about like being able to to do that. Um, so yeah, I'm sorry I didn't give you like specific pricing, but no, that's fine. I think it's uh, just to give people a rough idea, and then that might inform their decisions as well when they're out there tr thinking about who to advise on what they're getting. Because a lot of the listeners of this show tend to be the ones who are out there teaching other people. So 
I think um, that's a useful thing for them to just have a rough idea there. Um, but yeah, the other point, I, I guess kind of probably a good point to wrap up. I think it's interesting that um, the way, the direction things are going, right, with CoinKite and it's almost like you as a company, you and the company are almost zigging when a lot of other people are zagging, but in a way that actually makes a lot of sense now that when you think about it, when it's actually explained, and you know, as you've been explaining. So I think that's a really interesting direction, and I think it makes a lot of sense, as we were saying, that you know there are a lot of users who don't have a laptop or a, comp- or a PC that they can use. Uh, and so for those people, they need to use it with a phone. And then what's the device that works with a phone but is also cost-effective? And then so I think this NFC direction is actually a really interesting one. So, uh, yeah, really, uh, uh, I'm curious to see where this goes, and I'm obviously excited. I'm definitely going to order my uh, my own SATS cards and tap signers and MK4s myself to play around with. Um, but uh, any final comments for the listeners? Yeah, um, so I think, like, on the tap signer side, is uh, we hope that that's probably the first hardware wallet people end up having, right, for Bitcoin only. Uh, it is Bitcoin only, <laughs> like everything we do. Uh, I think that's part of why we're zigging instead of zagging, right? Uh, is that like like Bitcoin only use, you know, 10 years from now is how we define the products uh, internally. Uh, we, we, we're also like doing a lot of stuff right now with uh, um, like, I call it defensive domain buying that, uh, that I just wanted to mention because like we're looking for writers, we're looking for people to contribute Good for good Bitcoin information, uh, and uh, uh, there's some interesting uh, uh, domain projects coming coming soon, and uh, uh, those are sort of like semi nonprofit kind of thing. Uh, you know, the, the way we sort of do it is we're gonna put some uh, some links to our store and things, but that's it. Um, and we want to produce extremely high signal content uh, that you know maybe gets resyndicated or not. I don't know, but um, we we really want to sort of have a, um, a sort of like holistic approach to like Bitcoin bag security, you know, that is through content that tells the right story about Bitcoin, that tells like that the right sort of, it teaches people Bitcoin. It's not just, oh, Bitcoin is easy. No, it's like, this is what this BIP does, but in a way people understand, uh, or is showing the Bitcoin holidays, right? Where explains what happened that day with like the true story of it uh or is through security where you know we have like place for you to really hold your money without getting robbed or is it for you to gift bitcoin or what else can we do to have bitcoiners succeed right that's sort of like our goal and and i I think that's sort of like the direction the company's been going in and it's been sort of like a lot of fun fantastic nvk well it's been a pleasure and um, i'm really excited to see where it all goes so thank you again for joining me hey man thanks for having me it's nice it's nice seeing you get the show notes at stefanlevera.com slash 344 and if you're enjoying the show make sure to leave a review so other people can find the show and share it with your friends that's it for me thanks and i'll see you in the citadel